Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today, we're going to do a book review on the book Stray by Stephanie Dandler. For any of you who have listened to my book reviews in the past, you know I don't really do book reviews. I think it does a disservice to anyone who is taking the time to put their ideas down into onto pages and then got it published and put it out there into the world and so who am i to be like this book was a thumbs up or thumbs down i don't believe in that what i do believe in is that no matter what book i've read whether it's stray by stephanie dandler or war and peace or dr seuss um uh, you know who gives a who I learned something in, from every book that I've ever read. And so that's really what I want to share with you. What, am, what did I learn? What were my takeaways? What were things in the book that stood out to me, right? Um, with that said, I will tell you, if you're thinking about reading this book, the, I will give a brief review. So basically, this book is uh, a memoir of Stephanie Dandler, who was an author, obviously. And it's about her life growing up with a mom who struggles with addiction, a dad who struggles with addiction and uh, bipolar. And then also it talks about her relationship with a married man. Um, and she breaks the book down into three parts. One is called Mother, one is called father and then the other one is called monster right uh which is a cool way to break the book down uh shout out to stephanie dandler for doing that uh so i'll reserve my opinions about the book I, that's not what i'm really here for i'm here for what were the major takeaways and the first one was on page 41 where she's talking about what her attraction is to the married guy. And I found this to be fascinating. I'm going to read it to you now. It's two paragraphs. Quote, it wasn't his intelligence or stories. The one about losing his virginity to his mother's friend on a family vacation, no less, or how he was kidnapped during a surf trip during near Tijuana and his friends pitched in $200 and a Nokia cell phone to get him released, or how he was on a tiny plane that ran off the runway in Japan. I did love his perversity and how global he'd made himself, but that's enough for dinner, not enough to risk my life over. It was when he told me how embarrassed he'd been by his father's clothes when he was a teenager. I remembered his father riding a bike through Seal Beach and giving money to the homeless crew near the pier. When the monster talked about the times he had almost died, talked about getting his heart broken in college, talked about quitting drugs when his best friend overdosed on heroin, end quote. I love that passage because it speaks to two, uh, two things. One is she was uh, intrigued by the, both his masculine side and his feminine side, both his bravado and also of his uh, vulnerability. And that's what I think draws us to most people when they can 
show that they are tough and um and resilient in some ways but also can show us their more intimate vulnerable sides and also their their challenges their demons right um when i think about compelling characters you think about the show breaking bad what would made um the the main guy compelling was that yes he was this he was a teacher. He was uh, an educated man. He was a father, um, a husband, and yet he was also having to kill people and, and deal drugs and all those. And I think that's also why we love these mafia movies, because we get to see both sides of them. We get to see them as the family man, and then we also get to see them as this uh, killer and, and hardened business person on the flip side. And I think it's important to be reminded of exploring all those different sides of ourselves because we very easily can get caught up into, I'm this kind of person, I'm not that kind of person, or I'm that kind of person and not this kind of person. And we're, we're afraid to show the, the different sides of ourselves. But as Stephanie Dandler here points out, it is what is attractive about the guy that she calls a monster in that he has this very uh, masculine public uh, bravado uh, that he has that it makes her sexually attracted to him. But then he also is kind of lovable and accessible on the other hand. And, and so if you are struggling with that in a relationship or if you feel like um, there's some distance between you and another person, you're, you're, you may either be, uh, you might be showing too much bravado on one side or too much intimacy. They might be leaning too much in either or direction. You know, think about the, the father who never cries. Well, okay, that's cool that you're so tough that you never cry, but then you're not really letting people in and it and makes people feel shut out or um, like you're hiding something, right? Um, and 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 it's almost there's something kind of robotic about that also because being human really entails us feeling all the things and expressing all the things. Now I understand there's some people who just out of chemistry can't uh, you know their physiology doesn't allow them to express certain emotions. I know people who, like with uh, you know schizophrenia, there is a uh, our, our emotional expressions can become blunted to some degree. So I'm not talking about the outliers, but for the most of us, uh, this is really an encouraging thing of we to show up as our full selves, but but to know what that balance is and to present it as such. So that was the first key takeaway, and I really love that uh, that she broke that down. On page 57, she talks about having desert eyes, which I had never heard of, and and so basically she's on a date with this guy. She goes out to the desert. She hates the desert. It's all brown. It's all one color. But by the second and third day, all of a sudden, she starts to notice the subtle nuances of the desert, the different shades of brown and the grays and the touches of green from the cactus and the, and the scorpions and the way the sun hits the boulders from different angles and the smells. And so she's more tuned in to the the spectrum of colors and life 
that exists in the desert, and they call that Desert Oz. This is why when I go to a museum, I like to look at one painting for, uh, you know, three to, to 30 minutes. I really like to spend time with it and talk to other people about it so that I can develop those desert eyes. Because it, it, you, I'll, I'll notice that my first interpretation of the painting, it changes the longer I look at it. And I start to notice other things, other colors, other themes, um, maybe characters, if there are multiple characters in there, um, it starts to elicit different emotions. And so it's the same thing, I believe, in uh, friendship and in relationships where very rarely, the, the longer we're with someone, and I'm guilty of this, I've been with my girlfriend for almost four years, where um, I, you know, I don't spend enough time really gazing at her, really taking her in. Um, I kind of take her being there for granted at times. And so to develop those desert eyes, but we can only develop that if we really take the time to look at and stare and notice and observe uh, what's before us instead of just assuming it's always going to be the same day in and day out. So Desert Eyes, that really stood out to me. I love that. On page 63, she talks about her mom. And her mom had a brain aneurysm at the age of 47. Um, and, and one of the ways that they did the rehab to get her back was through acupuncture, coloring books, crossword, uh, crosswords, and doing puzzles. And what I loved about that, that really gave me hope. Because... Uh, you know, I've, I've struggled with a spinal fusion and I have sciatica going from the small of my back down my leg. And to know that acupuncture works, it got her mom back up and walking and, you know, to do these crossword puzzles, these brain games, these things that can, uh, get our neurons firing and create new neural pathways. I love that stuff it, that, that it's almost like I, I wish. I could have saw the training montage of her mom, you know, going from this brain aneurysm, not being able to walk. And then all of a sudden we see her doing crossword puzzles and getting acupuncture and uh, chiropractic care and all those different things that really would have been cool to see uh, visually. But also, like I said, just a reminder that these things do work because I, you know, I do get acupuncture. Um, I do do crossword puzzles. Uh, so to know that these brain games, really are effective. So I, I, I really appreciate it that she shared that in the book. On page 80, this was so beautiful. She said, I divided my life into times when I cried and didn't cry. What? I never, I never thought about how I divide my life, which I don't even know if that's the way that you want to think about your life, like dividing it into you know, this versus when I do this versus when I don't do that. But I just love that idea. And I love that idea that she divided it between when she cried and didn't cry. I have no idea how I would divide my life, but I love it as a thought experiment. I love it as something to chew on and think about and have a conversation with other people about. For you, please comment below, like how, if you, when you think about your life, how would you divide it in times you cried and didn't cry? eat, don't eat, laugh, don't laugh, um, 
you know, fight, don't fight? Like, how would you divide your life? Reading, not reading? Um, I, I just shopping, not shopping. Like, how would you divide your life? Traveling, not traveling? I don't know. I just really think that's a cool thought experiment. Um, on page 84, uh, Stephanie is talking, I think, to her dad. And she asked her dad, and they're, they're really going through a lot of trouble. Like I said, you know, he, her dad is bipolar, struggles with a lot of uh, addiction issues. And, and Stephanie asked her dad, she said, is life always this bad? And her, her father responds, it's not always this bad, but it is always this hard. Which I was like, oh my, beautiful, well said. Like, life is always challenging. It's not always bad, but there are always challenges. There, there are always things that we have to cope with, deal with, um, navigate our way through, um, you know, work through whatever it is, manage. Like life is always, I, you know, he said hard, but I prefer the word challenge, right? So I like that. It's not always bad, but it is always hard. There is always something that we need to overcome, cope with, manage, deal with. Um, on page 122, she says, uh, and so for those of you who are, are, are uh, watching this on YouTube, um, I'm holding up my notes uh, to the video screen and, uh, and I'm reading from there. Uh, on page 122, she says, wait, presence cures time. Time is. Uh, wait, how did she say this? Let me let me let me find it. Page one twenty two, something about time, like time, time, time for some action. Okay, so on page one twenty two, she says, "Time to me is synonymous with death. Presence cures time." Beautiful, well said. Um, when the, this idea of, of time to me. Is synonymous with death. It's like if I'm thinking backwards, I'm typically in regret, right? If I'm thinking forward, I'm anxious. But when I'm present, time doesn't exist. That's what meditation is. That's what meditation teaches us that we don't have to be caught up in our past or thinking about the future. Right now is what matters. Uh, so dope. Presence cures time. I hope you're feeling present right now. Taking a big inhale and then an exhale, feeling the earth beneath you, the clothes on your body. That that meditation, baby, I love it. And you know, and laughter for me um, helps me to feel present. Also, that I think that's the joy of laughter. It it allows us. I, I have a side note. I have a I go to a masseuse. And she was telling me that she noticed in married couples, they don't laugh as much as they used to. I was like, wow, I never thought about that. And so now I've been more intentional about, you know, having shared laughter in my relationships or, you know, at least on a day-to-day -day basis, if possible. And because you realize how, how long you can go without laughing with the person that you love, like how preposterous is that, right? Um, so that was on 122. On 163, and she's, she's referring to her dad's 
uh, addiction. And she basically says, I'm not quoting this, but basically she says, her dad never hit rock bottom. And, and she's referring to the, the idea that her dad never really got help. He, he, he never um, uh, w- had uh, sobriety. He never was able to achieve that. And she said, not only did he never hit rock bottom, um, he didn't hit rock bottom because humility was missing. She's like, you need humility to, to hit rock bottom and to know that you've hit it. And I was like, oh, man. Because when you have an ego about a thing, you just go, I can handle this. I got this. This is not a problem. Don't worry about it. So you you don't think it's anything that needs to be addressed. You need humility to be like, oh, man, I need to change some things. I've made a lot of mistakes. I need to make amends. I'm powerless over this. But if you don't have that humility, you're like, ah, you know, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it not a big deal i'm doing these drugs right so i i thought that was a powerful statement um on 179 she says choice is the antidote to fate that i had to sit with for a second and recognize that no matter what our circumstances are you know whether you're CEO and have all this power or or you're at the bottom of the the totem pole um you're in jail you're in prison or you have all the freedom in the world there are choices in every single moment that we can make now that doesn't mean that we have the power to get ourselves out of the situation we don't want to be in that's not what choice is about. It's about saying, about first acknowledging and accepting the situation that we're in, our circumstances, and then saying, what are the choices I, that I do have? Whether it's, maybe it's just about mindset and breathing and, um, uh, you know, how we are mentally going to respond to this. Maybe the, that's the, the only choice that we have, but it's a recognition that we do have some choice, some agency in every situation. It may not be the amount of agency, autonomy, and choice that we want, but to recognize that there is some, whether it's what we let our, our brain focus on, what we're thinking about, there are choices that we can make. And choice is the antidote to fate. Boom. Enough said. And there's more. I'm I'm sure if I had, to me, that's a panel discussion statement, right? On page 194, she says, she asks, is happiness applied in hindsight? That's a a beautiful question because when I think about our childhood, I think this refers to the idea that we tend to romanticize the past, uh, you know, or especially in relationships, right? Where uh, you've broken up with someone and then as time goes on, you think about all the great times and how happy you were and how wonderful it was. But if you dig a little deeper and you explore a little further and you really get into the weeds of it, you'll remember 
why you broke up. I don't know if you've ever done that where you're broken up with someone and you get back together and you're like, oh yeah, this that's why we broke up, right? So happiness is something we apply in, in hindsight. Um, and yeah, we just tend to romanticize the past and we, we, we might sometimes even be uh, optimistic about the, the future of, uh, of like how beautiful things will be once this is done and how awesome uh and uh serene but once we get to this one once we achieve this one thing right on page 199 um she talks about last thing her objects are her history she's talking about her mom and how her mom has these uh clothes that she never wears these jimmy chews these manolo blonics you know, very nice clothes, some vintage clothing. And Stephanie Dandler wants them because she can fit them. And her mom was like, no, no, no. But Stephanie was like, but you don't wear these anymore. But her clothes are her history. And for me, that's what books are for me. They are my history. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not reading all my books all the time. Uh, however, I, I, I would, don't want to give my books away which I have done in the past and I regret it. I'm like to this, I, the books that I've given away, I'm like, ah, oh. and it's not the same to go and buy new books because those books had my notes in them, right? They had my thoughts and my ideas and um, what really lit me up and what I was fascinated by. It's a history. It's a history of where I was and what I was thinking. And, um, and I noticed because then when I reread those books, I go back, I highlight different things and I notice other um, uh, uh, points of view and, and dialogue and words that I hadn't picked up on and themes that I hadn't picked up on the first time that I read it. So for me, uh, books are my history. What would you say, you know, in the comment section below, please let me know. And like I said, this is for people listening on YouTube. Um, let me know what what your history is like what what object is your history wrapped up in is it books is it clothes uh maybe it's uh movies and tv shows what would you say your your history is wrapped up in thank you for listening to another episode of before you kill yourself with your host leo flowers we discussed the book stray s-t-r-a-y by stephanie dandler she also wrote the best-selling book sweet bitter which i also really enjoyed and there's a tv show on stars called sweet bitter based off of the book sweet bitter that i also recommend so stray stephanie dandler check it out i enjoyed it it was a quick read uh what 200 and something pages uh, and that's it so comment, share this with one other person. If you really enjoyed this, take seven seconds to share this. That way you two can have communication about it. You two can talk about it. And because when we communicate with others then we can build community and um, it was, I, I, had a, I had another C, I completely forgot. But anyway, remember this podcast is not a substitute for calling the 988 or any of the other 800 numbers listed in all the show notes. You can chat, talk, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com 
for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together.